Hey, this is Spencer Lewis, and this is Next Exit, Episode 9. Today we have Susan Laskus, a woman that started out in one career that a lot of people would find cool, a, a restaurant owner, and moved into another career that people would find cool, a pilot. Susan, thanks for your time today. Hi, no problem. That's great. So why don't usually I start with having somebody tell us, you know, a, a little bit about themselves. So why don't you give me, you know, who you are, like where you're from, where you live now, like where you grew up, that type of stuff. Okay. Um, I currently, for the last 20 years, have been living in Delaware, and I'm actually in transition moving up to eastern Pennsylvania, but that'll take a little while to accomplish full-time. Um, I have a 16-year-old son who's probably the most amazing human being I've ever met, <laughs> and um, I grew up mostly in Philadelphia. We traveled a lot. My dad was in the Air Force, so I was born in Michigan on an Air Force base, we moved to Hawaii when I was very young and lived there for about six years in Southern California. Southern California is the one that feels most like home to me, okay. but Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia is where I have my long-term friendships and attachments, too. Gotcha. So um, where'd, you go to, uh, where'd you go to school? High school? Um, I went to... We moved to the area from King of Prussia into Philadelphia when I was a freshman, and I started going to school at Friends Select on the Parkway, the Quaker School. Okay. Um, but I had difficulty there. It was um, a group of kids who had been going to school together since kindergarten, and they were just completely of a different world than I was used to. So I ended up leaving there after a year, and um, I went to the Parkway program. Gotcha. Which part of the works very um, well? Parkway. Um, uh, it's a, a public school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was. Um, actually, um, Kevin Bacon was in my class. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So you're, I, you're I, two degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I went to engineering and science, and I think. Uh, Parkway was one of the schools that I had, uh, I had um, been accepted to, but I, I chose um, uh, ENS, so familiar, okay. very familiar with it. Um, why don't you tell me a bit about um, just and what you, what do you do now? What's your current position? Well, currently, um, I just started a new job in February, and it's it's difficult to explain. It's kind of the culmination of my whole aviation career using all the skills that I've learned and I'm now teaching them. It's an organization in, um, at Lehigh Valley Airport. It's a place that I used to train. When you, when you fly at certain levels, you have to do certain things every year. So this is an annual requirement, this school, um, for pilots that fly particularly the private jets. And I've been training there for years. I know the people, and they were looking for an instructor, and it seemed like the right thing for me at the time, and it's been working out really beautifully. Awesome. So we'll get into um, that more deeply as we go through the conversation, um, but I just kind of wanted to have like that setup of like, okay, 
this is what you do now. So why don't you tell me about your start? Because you started as a, uh, as a, in the food service industry. And why don't you tell me about your start there and how you got into that and um, uh, in, into food service? Okay. Um, when I was young, I just, my mother was a great cook. My grandfather was a baker and I was very strongly influenced by them. I loved cooking. I just became a thing for me. And as I got older, I realized that I really wanted to pursue it. Um, I ended up going to France and going to La Varenne there. Uh, I lived in Paris for three years. I studied cooking. I worked as an au pair. I I did whatever um, I could do to live there and study cooking and got fairly proficient at it. And I did some traveling. Um, when I came back, I ended up coming back to Philadelphia and finding a restaurant to work in, which was Chef Tells in Chestnut Hill. I don't know if you remember that, but it was in the Chestnut Hill Hotel, and it was a pretty high-end place. And I worked there as a waiter, and I met um, the man who would become my husband. And we ended up buying a restaurant downtown and opening it. Well, it had been there since 1929, but we took it over and had a very successful business. And I loved it. It was just 100% me. So a couple things there. You, say, you said La, um, in Paris, you, you were at La Varenne, I think it was? Yep. There's and a what is that? Called La well, it's a cooking school, um, okay. and they were the first, first like, international cooking school well, in France, anyway, to, to conduct their classes in English as well as French. Um, and it was founded very similar to... Um, a Julia Child kind of curriculum, but not as not as um, off-putting as like the Cordon Bleu kind of curriculum. But it got me there. It got me, um, I guess, where I needed to be to start making chefing a part of my life. Okay. And um, and so you took all that um, that that um, that back to. Uh, Back to the United States, um, Chef Tells was uh, uh, you know one one of your uh, jobs where you met your husband, like you said, and then you you, you started a um, you, you bought a restaurant. Tell me about that restaurant. Well, it was called the Hoffman House, and it was established in the early twenties. It was a a German restaurant. Um, I didn't say that part, but it had that heavy heavy woods feel to it. It was a kind of a clubby men's club kind of place. It was dark and, um, you know, and, and heavy foods. Um, and this was in the eighties. And so we revamped it. We opened it up, we lightened it up. We stayed with a relatively German theme, but on a much lighter end and offered more high end foods, uh, and established a really, a really nice business. And you and your husband were the sole proprietors, or did you have other partners? His family. Okay. It, we couldn't have done, yeah, his family. Gotcha. And so how long did you have the, the restaurant? Um, I guess it was about six years. Okay. And then, so, and, then, and what kind of jobs did you have uh, 
in the restaurant. So what, what different things did you, were you responsible for? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the way when you're (laughs) a business owner? Yeah, everything. If the dishwasher didn't show up, you were the dishwasher. Um, Wherever you were needed is what you did. You know, it's just, it's the nature of the business. You know, we, the business comes in, in, uh, in waves and uh, we were in the theater district. We also were near city hall. So we had a huge lunch, you know, standard lunch group. And then um, it would clear out and you'd get ready if, if we had theater happening for the theater seating. So um, it was it was a great challenge to to pull off. And, you know, we were young, you know, a couple of kids just feeling our way around it. But we had a lot of talent and we had good people working with us who remain good friends to this day. It was so, interesting times. So let me go at this a different way. So you did everything. What was your favorite job, though, to do in in the restaurant? Well, it wasn't the dishwashing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that. I enjoyed the cooking, but eventually um, the demands were too high, and we hired a chef. And I worked with him for a while, but then I was needed more in the dining room. And that is the area that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed greeting the customers. I enjoyed, I would sit at the tables when no one was there and see how it looked from their point of view. I wanted it to be, um, you know, a, a wonderful experience for them. The minute they walked in the door, you know, I would, your table's waiting for you kind of thing. So I really enjoyed that part of it. So... I've heard from uh, you know people in the in the food service industry uh, that it can be fun and it can be challenging. Um, what was it like for you? Oh um, well, all of that and um, very rewarding to me. I I always I don't know I like taking care of people. I to to this day. I love nothing more than a huge dinner party, you know, just a long table. The longer the, t- the table, the better it is for me. And I still cook in massive quantities. I have a really hard time paring it down. Um, so I guess the biggest issue was the, the hours and the, um, the work was hard, you know, but um, we were young. You know, we could we could do it, but I was also working and living with with my husband. You know, mm-hmm. so that was that was tricky. <laughs> yeah, I, I why don't we talk a little bit about that? I mean, that um, you know, I I have uh, a few friends that have have done that and continue to do this. I actually, you know, I think it was like uh, uh, one of the people that interviewed uh, Andrea, who owns a bar. She um, she owns and runs a bar with her her husband and. Um, we didn't really get into that part of it, but yeah, you're spending, you know, upwards close to 24 hours a day with, um, you know, with your, with your husband, your, your spouse, um, that's gotta be a challenge. Well, it is. And I, I don't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) I think that everyone needs their own space and needs their own thing. Um, but we, I mean, it worked for the most part. You know, we, uh, you know, we had a, uh, we had a commitment to, you know, creating a 
successful business. Right. So what other work did you do in the food service uh, industry? Oh, um, well, you work your way up, you know, when you, when you first start, you don't, um, you do everything, you know, you work in kitchens. I've worked in a couple different restaurants in the Philadelphia area. Um, I, when I left the restaurant, when that closed, um, we did end up selling it. I okay. went and worked in another restaurant for a while, but then I opened a catering business. I worked for a few caterers. Um, you kind of, you kind of bop around in the business a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a known thing, I guess, that you, you, very few people, I guess, go to one place and stay there forever. It's about learning, I think. And, um, so I, you know, I, and then I found my, started my catering business with a partner and that was, that was great, uh, a great success, but it was really exhausting. Just to confirm, you sold, uh, uh, sold the restaurant, um, correct? That's correct. And so what did you end up doing um, so in, in food service? Like what was your last career in, uh, or job in food service? Well, the last thing I did was um, we, worked, we moved to um, Delaware and okay. I took a job with a corporation, um, a large corporation that handles um, – Commercial, not commercial properties, but um, big business. So I was a manager in one of the DuPont facilities of their food service. Okay. Um, it, was, it was a big job. It was a good job. Um, I took it uh, so that I could just, I mean, it paid well, and that was an appeal to have a regular kind of income like that, so with benefits and all. And um, I was a middle manager, and I did not care for it. A bit. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, it, it wasn't for me, that kind of corporate um, balancing between the staff that work so hard for me and the people above who only see numbers um, and, and don't see, you know, how hard you're, you're asking people to work for how little you're giving them. And um, that, was, that was difficult for me. But I did my did my best, you know. It's so interesting that um, I mean, it, it's it seems to be something that I I've definitely seen a couple of the interviews that we've had that um, that lack of consideration or recognition from um, like when you're in middle management, how that you might actually like a job and like what you're doing, but how poor management kind of factors into how much you you end up not liking your job um you know what yeah. i'm saying um yeah it was very trying it was very difficult for me um particularly because i just felt like the the people that were working the, the base support you know the hardest workers in the place uh were were not looked after and so I found ways to look after them, like, here, take home the leftover food or, you know, <laughs> um, you know, go ahead, go home and I'll log you out later, that kind of thing. That's um, awesome. You know, a day off here and there. And, um, yeah, and one of the, one of the um, employees who might never have gotten anywhere was just this wonderful, lovely woman. 
and I ended up kind of taking her under my wing. This was this was my big accomplishment in that company. And she ended up becoming a manager and she was just a cashier and she might never have been noticed, you know, Right. Um, but she, she ended up taking over, um, as a manager. So well, I've, I've always, I've always viewed it as, um, you know, the thing that I'm most proud of when, uh, you know, in terms of being a manager or how the people that reported to me, um, did in their career moving forward. Yeah. So, that that to me is that's part of your role, but I don't think that that uh, that every manager views their position that way. I, I know that they don't, which is a shame. Well, it was a hard lesson because at the restaurant, actually, if um, if any of them are listening to this, I was terrible. <laughs> I was I was not what I was, you know, in my mid twenties. What did I know about managing? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, well, yeah. And, and I think when you're also, um, uh, you know, doing a lot of different jobs, it's hard to pay attention to, um, to certain, you know, to certain things. And like you said, when you're young, you know, I don't, I, I wonder, I haven't really thought about that because, you know, I, I managed people from the, from day one, um, out of college and I, I, you know, I probably stunk at it too. <laughs> <laughs> Because you don't know any better, but I, well, you know, I feel good, like, yeah. you know. Well, they, they, they get me back now. I mean, my sons <laughs> are my dearest, they're the greatest people in the world, but um, they definitely, um, they definitely have my numbers. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at some point though, you, um, you, you had this career that you, you like, there were parts of it towards the end that you, um, you, maybe you didn't love quite as uh, much, but you, um, you were introduced somehow into aviation flying. How, how did that happen? Well, I bought a car. <laughs> I bought a car from a guy who is a former race car driver. And I met his wife who was a pilot and she'll come back into the story later. Um, but she was pretty cool. And I, and I was talking to her one day and I, I said, you know, that's pretty neat that you fly airplanes. Um, I said, I wouldn't mind trying to figure out how to fly an airplane. And she just looked at me, she's very straightforward. And she said, well, then just do it. (laughs) So she, um, I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) She gave, (laughs) she gave me the number of a local flight school and I, got what's called a, a demo ride. And um, it was terrifying, actually. <laughs> it was a um, very frightening journey for me. So but um, what, is, what is a demo ride, first off? Oh, right. Um, I, I'm going to try not to use language. <laughs> That's okay. It's kind of a, a different language. A demo ride is a demonstration ride where they take you up in a little tiny airplane for half an hour and they let you, you know, play with the controls and um, see if you like the idea of learning how to fly one of those things. Okay. So you are actually, like you said, you're, you're able to kind of take the controls a little bit. Well, um, yeah, they said here you're playing if you want to fly, you know. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrifying, like you said. 
Yeah, it was um, it was challenging, no doubt. So you're um, so, but you in a, a, through all of that, you ended up um, uh, loving um, and wanting to become a pilot. Yeah, it it kind of um, people ask me like, you know how I did that and what my motivation was. And, and I don't have any kind of romantic story. I just, I like to challenge myself. And so this thing was kind of, you know, looking me in the face and saying, you know, ha. And I thought, no. (laughs) And so I, I just sort of kept trudging along with it. And, um, you know, I was, I was fearful if it was a windy day, I wouldn't go to for my lesson, I would cancel and, um, you know, any, any little thing, you know, but I I just kept sort of pursuing it. And then eventually things started to kind of pay off. Like I, you solo first, the, the instructor gets out of the plane and you go fly by yourself. And that's a huge, huge accomplishment. Um, and then, um, you do more solo work and then you pass certain check rides. And so I finally, I eventually got my pilot's license. It took a while. Um, but then I decided to kind of continue on. And the next level is flying by instruments. You know, you're no longer using outside visual cues. You're using your instruments in the airplane so that you can fly in clouds. Right. Right. And the first time we, we were rolling down the runway and it was um, a very overcast day. The clouds were very low to the ground and um, we're rolling down the runway. And I look at my instructor and I say, you really want me to fly into that? And he says, well, yeah. <laughs> so we go and we get into the clouds and all of a sudden I'm, it's peaceful. It's quiet. It's beautiful. And we climb through the clouds and we break out on top and there's this sparkling blue sky and this layer of white fluffy clouds below me. And I was done. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) So during your training uh, at this point in time in your life, were you still working uh, in food service or had you, I was, I was, I was, I was until that point. So how'd that work? I mean, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> so how did that work? I mean, so you were um you had to fit the training in along with working full time, correct? Exactly. Um and one of the best things that happened to me um was I broke my ankle. Okay. And I could <laughs> I couldn't work. Um and I just I sat and I trained and I studied um for I think it was at least a month where I was home because I couldn't, I couldn't work. I mean, I could go in like once a week and, and do payroll kind of stuff, but I couldn't do the day to day because it, you know, involved walking around and they didn't want me slipping. They didn't want, you know, a, a lawsuit on their hands. So they pretty much preferred me to stay home until I was able to, um, to get around. And I couldn't train, but eventually once I got the walking cast, I did. And you, um, my instructor would have to work the, the floor pedal for me, but I was on a mission at that point to, um, to get my ratings. So at some point, did you, or, at, or 
let me rephrase that. At what point did you think this might be your next career, your next life? Did you always think that um, you know, being a pilot was what you were going to do as a career, or did at some point it click that that's what you wanted to do? It clicked. Um, okay. It didn't, it never, there was, yeah, there wasn't, it wasn't the thing, it wasn't a dream, it wasn't, even I, I never even really considered it until um, until I um, I actually went back to work at the food service place and the day I went back um, was was not a good one and for me and I said okay that's it and I'm not going to I don't want to do this anymore. And I um, I quit my job, and I took a job for $10 an hour at the flight school working the front desk. <laughs> did you – so did you know when you were complete your training that there would be a job for you in aviation? No. No, not at all. But, you know, this is 20 years ago. One percent of the pilot population was female. Right. Um, we're yeah, we're up to about seven percent now. It's increasing, but so, no, oh, ab- absolutely not. So I, I apologize for the pun, but at this point, you're kind of flying blindly into your yeah. career. I mean, yeah. How crazy? How how scary was that? I guess the the biggest issue I was dealing with is um, the resistance I got. Um, in terms of being told that I would be taking a man's job, you know, a man who had a family to support. And, Somebody actually you know, said that, that to you? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More than once. And um, there, listen, there's some really, really amazing people out there who, you know, I cherish to this day who helped me with my career, but there were an equal number who were adamantly opposed to it. I think um, one of the, so I I keep uh, pulling out uh, kind of points that you see uh, as I do these interviews over and over again. And one of the things that I've seen over and over again is that as much as you know, you're a challenge, your own brain and your own uh, is a challenge to switching careers and doing something mm-hmm. that you um, doing something different, it seems like as big a challenge is um, out are um, outside you, the people pushing back on you. I, I mean, I've heard it a, a couple of times. People, you know, saying to somebody who's switching careers, "Why are you doing this?" and and pushing back, and and so you had to overcome that yourself. Um, oh, ab- and- absolutely. You know, there was a there was a great deal of leap of faith and inner strength involved here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which is that kind of, and again, I think that's why I'm doing this podcast is because uh, I, there, there are a lot of people out there that just you know, have a hard time getting past those different types of challenges. And it's nice to hear how other people got through it. So when somebody told you um, you, you're taking uh, another uh, a man's job. What what was your response? Did you just like put your head down and go 
through it or did you actually respond to them? Um, well, first of all, I kept my head up and <laughs> I, <laughs> I pretty much just would walk away. I wouldn't engage in it. Gotcha. You know, um, it's not, it's not my style to, um, to do that. You know, my, my style is the proof will be in what I do with myself, you know, and for myself. Um, and the fact that there were so many people that, that were, you know, helping me, that there were people there that were encouraging me. Um, you only need one, you know, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ex- yeah. You, right. And it's good that you had the, um, had that, uh, had that support. How, how long did it actually take you to become a, uh, a pilot? How, you know, in terms of time, um, how long did, how much training did you have to do? Well, once I made the decision that this was what I was going to do, which happened with the broken in you know, conjunction with the broken angle, which I think was serendipitous. Um, I, um, I, I put my head down and I pulled out my credit card and I spent the next three years training and studying. So to the, you know, equivalent of going to college and I got to a place where I was, I could make money flying, Mm -hmm. but it took me and, and three years is actually is pretty fast, um, to get to where I got to, um, I really was motivated. It sounds it. Was it expensive? Yes. yes and it was. how how difficult was it compared to say um, training to become a chef? Um, it's it's a very challenging it's a very challenging occupation. You're you're not just learning how to fly a plane. You're learning weather and physics and um, just a variety. You, you learn so many things, so many different things because your environment's different. Your language is different. Um, there's mathematics involved. It's, you know, it comes from all, all sides and it takes a lot of, it, it takes work, but if I can do it, I, anyone can do it. It sometimes my head felt like a brick, uh, but I just kept plugging <laughs> I just kept plugging along and plugging along and, um, I, you know, I, I, um, I did it and I really, I really feel like anyone can, but you have to be, you have to make the commitment to it. It does require, it does require a commitment. How, how difficult was it to adjust your life to, um, from food service to becoming a pilot? Um, well, let's see, in food service, we have no holidays and we worked, you know, all day long. Um, and you're, I was in a basement kitchen. So now I'm, I have no holidays. I work any day, but the view's much better. Um, so <laughs> I don't, it wasn't that difficult of, um, I don't feel like it was much that difficult of a transition. It was the difficulty was making money and paying off the debts that I had incurred. And would I be able to, um, would I be able to get to a point you have to climb through all these you know levels and would I be able to get to the level where I'm making the money, um, that I need to, um, you know, to pay off my debt and, uh, support myself. 
How long did you did it take for you to feel comfortable um, that you made the right decision, that you were going to be able to, to, to make money, pay off those debts um, once you had started working? Oh, it took years. I mean, I, I it took years. Um, I, it wasn't an easy journey. It was never, you know, a simple, quick, quick fix. There's always a, a risk. Aviation is a very risky occupation to have because right now they say there's a pilot shortage and jobs are just, you know, everywhere. But back then um, we were kind of in a aviation um, downfall. People weren't spending the money, you know, recession times, people were not spending the money. People are flying now, but they weren't then. So it was, it was, um, it was, it was a very risky move. Yeah. I mean, and it, but at some point did you, I'm just wondering, even though you had debt ahead of you that you had to pay for, um, did at some point did you feel you know what I'm I I know I'm going to get there though. Um, yeah. You know, that, oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, absolutely. And so, I mean, I assume at that point, that's the point in time when you're starting to feel a little bit more at home in your career. Because, uh, I mean, you know, even when you're just switching a new job um, and in the same career, it takes a while for you to feel comfortable in that new job. You're yes. not only switching jobs, you're switching careers and everything about you is being you know, jump. So it just seems like it would take a ton of time for you to feel comfortable. Well, it does because you also have to prove yourself, you know, continuously and you, you need to, um, I mean, you're, you know, one bad landing and, you know, people are shaking their heads. I mean, look at aviation now, you know, one, one, one mistake and, um, you've got the walk of shame happening, but also being, and I don't want you to harp on this, but being a woman, I, I felt like I not only had to be good, I had to be kind of better than good because um, I would get tested constantly. Um, just, you know, I'd walk out of the jet and I'd go into the, into the you know, facility and, you know, all these pilots be standing around. They'd go, so what kind of engines you got on that plane there? You know, and just, stuff they would never say to another guy. So you, right. you just constantly, you know, you're constantly working. I was constantly working to improve and, um, um, be better at it. Um, so yeah, the comfort level, I don't, I don't know if the comfort level ever really came, but I, it, I loved what I was doing. Right. Is the, in terms of, uh, you know, pay, um, like where you, like at this point, do you feel like, you know, pay is on par with, um, when you were, uh, uh, you know, when you were a uh, restaurant owner or in, in the food service industry, is it, um, or do you, does it not matter to you? Oh, no, I'm, I am very adaptable and I, my lifestyle can change, you know, without a problem for me. I'm, I'm very adaptable. In fact, some of the best times of my life were the leanest ones. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, we're uh, one of the conversations I had, um, we spent a lot of the time, um, time talking about the, um, the, the subject of, of sacrifice in being able to, to make a career change. And that sometimes that um, in terms of being happier in what you're doing in your life, you may just have to decide like, oh, there's things that I, you know, I don't, do I need a fancy car or, you know, that type of thing, uh, fancy clothes uh, to, to make Small that, house. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, you know, um, there's certain things that just are more important, you know. Absolutely. Um, I would, I would give up everything to continue flying if it was necessary. Right. Um, how different is the lifestyle um, as a pilot? I mean, obviously we've talked about the, the, the hours being, being different. Um, uh, but you know, is your lifestyle dramatically different as a pilot as, um, uh, you know, as being, um, you know, working in food service and being a restaurant owner? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, for one thing, one of the issues I had with the restaurant business was that I was a hundred percent, you know, involved and my heart just loved every bit of it, but that wasn't necessarily the case with, you know, everyone else around. Um, well, I, it never is, but I, I guess there was a lack of professionalism and that I craved. And so now it's definitely a, a more professional environment. Um, it's a more challenging environment in terms of what you can know and what you can do. There's always growing. There's always learning to be done. Um, and there's a, there's a self... Um, you have to account for yourself. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, it's a stronger accountability than, than I think you have in the restaurant business. Oh, it would, yeah. I mean, I almost would expect that. You'd hope you so, know? right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you're ultimately uh, yeah, very accountable for your mistakes, you know, uh, you know, so. Yeah. Especially when you're flying other people around. Yeah. Right. So now that you've become a pilot, um, do you would you change how you went about making um, tra- uh, making that change? Is there one thing or a couple things that you would change about how you uh, move from you know uh, restaurants into uh, being a pilot? Yes, I think if I had known that it was something that I, it took me a really long time to know that I wanted to do this. Um, if I had known, I would have definitely gone about it a different way. I would have just picked up and gone to uh, the flight school and gone through their program. Um, and I wish I'd done it like 10 years earlier, but yeah, I would have, I would have pursued it in a more direct manner, which probably would have been a lot cheaper for me. But I didn't know. I was kind of finding my way. It took me a while to to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, right. Like, yeah. Well, obviously, hindsight's going to be twenty twenty, specifically in this case. Um, but if you didn't, you know, go about it methodically, you know, maybe you'd never have done it at all. You know, so. Well, exactly. It was what I was able to do at the time, 
And, um, but you know, yeah, now you look back and say like, oh, geez, kind of wasted a lot of time and money there. <laughs> right. Um, what, so ultimately and finally, what, what recommendations would you have for someone you know, thinking about changing their career as drastically as, uh, as you did? Um, go for it. As Marilyn said, just, just do it. Um, you know, you've got to be willing to fail and stumble and, and cry, you know, but, um, if you open yourself up, you'll find what you need. You just have to be willing to, to take that step. I, I don't know if I could, uh, have uh, scripted a more appropriate way to um, to end um, our conversation than that. Um, so I'm just going to end it there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So that's a wrap on episode nine. So a couple notes for the week. The podcast is finally available over on Spotify. So if that's where you listen to your podcast, by all means, go over there, open up your app, uh, search for Next Exit, and hit the following button. That way it's in your app every every week um, when a new episode comes in. Uh, finally, if you uh, for everything Next Exit, everything else, if you need to reach out to me with recommendations on guests, or any sort of feedback, go over to the website. That's uh, www.nextexit.site. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter there also. You can listen to podcasts, and you can find my social media links on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, so I hope you um, you know go over there and, and connect to me that way. And we will be back in your feed next week with a new podcast and a new guest, as this is a weekly podcast. You guys have a good one.